Wow. Okay. Hi, I'm James. This is uh, GOK. Uh, brought to you May 10th, 2018. And this is episode 65. This episode's been a long time coming. I'm not even sure if I'm going to release it or not. Um, but I was laughing because I just noticed that my I, I was checking to see what episode it was. It's episode 65. Last episode obviously was 64. I had to look it up on the website at jameskennison.com. And uh, the date I posted it was May 10th, 2017. And today is May 10th, 2018. And I assure you that that was uh, absolutely an accident. Had no idea that today I would be podcasting for the first time in a year, exactly one year later. Wicked. So anyway, I didn't didn't boot up the old uh, podcast system to talk about that. Just want to say hi to everybody. I've missed you. And um, I don't know, we'll just see how this goes. I'm a little off the, uh, a little out of practice. And um, I've, I've had to systematically set up all of the podcast equipment again because I had it in the uh, in storage. Had it all in nice little boxes because I was pretty sure I was done. <clears throat> Thankfully, that doesn't seem to be the case. I couldn't. Uh, I, I sat here with it set up for months. Um testing things out this even this past weekend i finally got around to doing some uh, cable management and uh got the audio wires separated from the audio or uh power power cables because if you have them mixed up apparently they cause feedback and noise and i think it sounds really good except for the guy talking i mean listen to that silence you can't buy that you have to give it away for free. But uh, I, I, I finally sat down. Oh, oh, oh. Even after getting it set up, I've been procrastinating because somehow I have it in my head that podcasting me, me failing at it a year ago and stopping, I guess not failing, but just stopping, which felt like a fail, um, that, that that was insurmountable somehow, like I could never go back. Like, um, I had built it up in my head so much that, uh, that I wasn't able to podcast that I, I guess I figured I never could again. And that even if I did, I would fail again. So this is a breakthrough and I appreciate you being a part of it. Um, but I procrastinated for even longer because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to talk about. And I would sit there. And uh, while I was doing 10 other things, I'd be like, oh, I can't podcast because I can't think of anything to podcast about. And then I'd be like, Fallout 4, Fallout 4. <laughs> oh, man, it'd be great to be podcasting instead of playing Fallout 4. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, I can't think of anything to talk about. Oh, <laughs> see what I'm saying? So I finally took a little second, shut off the thing. I pulled up a notepad on my computer and started typing some ideas. And before I knew it, I had a topic I was uh, 
interested in enough to talk about. So today, without any further ado, we're going to talk about weed. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about weed, marijuana, the 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 hemp. Um, first of all, I just want to go ahead and say on the record, I am I am not a fan. I've never smoked it. Um, I think I've seen it a couple times. I've definitely seen the effects of it, and uh, especially recently. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I have a friend. Let's call him Lucy. And he is about 25. And uh, he's been hanging around uh, with my friend David and I. And poor guy, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of got that failure failure to launch syndrome going on. And um, he, he's, he's a smart kid. He's a good kid. But he smokes weed. And um, it's, it's not, I'm sure it's not his only bad habit, but I see it in his life and you can just tell. Have you ever been around people that smoke weed and you're just like, they smoke weed. You could just tell. They're chill. Their eyes are half closed. <laughs> They're, they, you know, they seem like surfers, really. Um, I went to Colorado last year on vacation. Wife took us up there and apparently it's legal there. And every person <laughs> that I talked to that was uh, working at, at this uh, off-season resort, whether they were the folks taking us down the uh, boat in, you know, river rafting, or if it was somebody, uh, I don't know, selling us tickets to go up on a on a mountain slide or whatever, everybody had that that look. And I'm thinking, are you high right now? You know, my family's in a boat, and you're taking us down a type three rapids or something like that. And, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling, buddy? Is everything okay? Are you really chill? Cause I kind of want you to be a little less chill. I want you to be alert and, and sensing danger. Hey, my son fell out. Yeah, man, it's okay. It's all right. Everything's going to be fine. No, I, I don't want that. I, I want you to immediately sober up. And uh, and help my kid. Um. Anyway, so we 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 went to you know Colorado and experienced firsthand how and, and you you get there and you're like okay these people smoke weed but they have jobs and they're you know somewhat productive members of society even though there's a type you know and you hear on the news and you hear on the internet how it's uh it's not addictive and how it doesn't you know it's not like a regular drug where it ruins your life and. You don't sell your family and your stuff and, you know, run away from home to smoke weed. Um, and so I almost, you know, aside from the, the moral side of things, I almost bought it. Oh, not to the point that I, I thought it was okay, but that I was like, I'm fine with other people smoking weed. You know, if they want to do that, I mean, I don't want them to, but... I can't stop them and I'd rather it be legal and the cops have to deal with something else instead of that. But I recently had my opinion flipped back over and I've become stone cold anti-weed like for everybody. And I'll tell you why. I I I have a friend, another friend, 
who used to smoke and used to take a lot of drugs. And I asked him, I'm like, what's the deal with weed? Why, you know, is it addictive? Is it all these things? And he says, well, it, it's not that it's super addictive. I mean, you're addicted to the feeling. Um, he says, it's, it's just a, uh, the problem with it is a, it's a gateway. It was a gateway for me. And, and not that it automatically makes you want more and different kind of drugs. He says it just gets you into a community of people that are further along than you in the drug world. And they offer you stuff and you're just like, hey, a better high, you know, and before you know it, you're involved in things. If you if you're not in that community and you're not a part of that, then you don't get exposed to that as as readily. Um, he said the other big problem and it was a problem for for me, he says, um, and you'd have to know him. He's very driven. He's very um, he's very what do you call it? Uh, sociable. And he doesn't know a stranger. And he's out there constantly getting to know people, networking, hanging out with folks, being a good influence. He says, I I had that kind of thing when I was younger. He says, but I started smoking weed and all of a sudden my drive to, to live life, my drive to achieve, you know, to make money, to get to know people, to move and shake the world. He said it just went away. And that really rung true with me when he told me. Because, let's back up a couple more weeks, I recently, uh, I, I don't want to say had the honor of, because it was horrible, but um, I had the honor of someone remembering, how about that, to invite me to the funeral of one of my kids from uh, children's ministry back in the day. He's a young man, probably 20, 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there. His, uh, his mother looked me up and said, you know, we'd, we'd like you to come out. And thankfully, I'm in St. Louis now, so I could, you know, just drive out there and attend the funeral. And it was hard um, because I'm sitting literally in the chapel that I used to be on the stage of, you know, teaching this kid and his brother <clears throat> and a bunch of other kids uh, about Jesus. And... I could look over to the side where the fifth graders sat and uh, and kind of just see. I, I remember he was three rows back, five or f- five or six seats over. He just kind of always sat in the same place like you do at church. And um, I remember him at kids camp and all that, but specifically in that chapel, looking over there, and you kind of go back in time in your brain. And you think, obviously, you, you just kind of think, what would what could I have done back then? to address this issue here, this permanent solution that he had for his issues and his problems. And, uh, and it's difficult um, <clears throat> because I don't think there's anything I could have done any different. Um, you know, for different reasons, his family weren't, uh, they weren't great parents. Matter of fact, I, w- I would say they were terrible parents. Uh, the boys grew up in a terrible situation had a rough life, uh, very minimal uh, influence that I was able to have in their lives because of their uh, spotty attendance. And, um, and that's a whole different issue. But you do. You ask yourself those questions. Well, while I'm sitting there and in the funeral, um, I look around and I see another one of my kids. And uh, his name is Brad. 
It's actually Lucy, but we'll change it to Brad. Um, so Brad's sitting on the back, and there's just no mistaking. The kid's 20 years old now. I knew him back when he was in third, fourth, and fifth grade, maybe even younger than that. This is a kid um, that I know his sisters. I took them to camp. I washed lice out of their hair. Um, I heard their stories about molestation and abuse. I, um, my family had the privilege of, of visiting them when they were taken from their mom and put in a home. And uh, we got to go and visit them and bring them Christmas and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we're just, I, I was tied to, the, to these people. And I see this kid and um, he's sitting in the back and there's just no mistaking that's him. He's got the same goofy look on his face, but um, he looks completely thugged out. Said I worked for 10 years in the inner city in Kansas City. And uh, this was just a, you know, a family of, of uh, white folks that live in the hood. And uh, you know how you see white folks trying to be black sometimes and you're like, you kind of roll your eyes. Um, these folks were city. They ain't even trying to be black. They just, they were street folks, people raised on the streets. And so that was him with his hat, you know, with the flat bill and the baggy pants and the whole thing. Looking tough, his eyebrows have dropped a little bit, so he's he's looking rough, but he looks sad. And I went up to him, and I just said, "Dude, you remember me?" And he says, "Yeah," <laughs> with his deep voice. He used to talk like this. Uh, I said, "What did I say?" I said something to the effect of, uh, "I don't know if you're gonna like it or not, but I'm gonna hug you right now." And I took this thugged out dude, <laughs> and I just I just squeezed him. And he smiled, and I and uh, just a little bit. He's you, it's like that smile that you try to smile when you're hurt, and and somebody tries to make you laugh, and you smile, but the tear still trickles down the cheek, and uh, and that's when I remembered that he was, you know, in school with this kid, and had been in the same children's ministry as this kid on Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, Rangers on Wednesday nights, uh, you know, kids camp together. And this was one of his friends. And uh, we talked for a bit, you know, about how how it sucked that this happened and how, you know, it's such a permanent solution. And um, there's rarely ever a permanent problem. So you can always find a way to escape, to get out. Eventually, you just have to hang on. And, and, um, and it hit me, again, looking... From the past, from the stage perspective, to the kid in the fifth grade section, I was like, here I am with this other kid that was one of my fifth graders who is heading down probably some of the same paths, and I have a chance to pour into his life because I've got that connection, whether he likes it or not, but he did. And so... uh about halfway in, and it was a long funeral, man. There were people trying to out-Jesus each other, which is ridiculous and, and very annoying. So by the time it was halfway done, I just looked over. I said, dude, you want to go get something to eat? And uh, we got up in the middle of the service and walked out. And I'm sure there were plenty of people that knew old Pastor James and were honored that I was there and offended when I left. But by God, I was like, if I miss out on this opportunity with this kid... Um, I'm, I, you know, I have a chance basically to pour into his life to where if something ever happens to him, at least I can go to sleep saying, 
you know, I did my part. And uh, I believe when the Lord gives you those opportunities, um, it's it, it's important to to take them. You know, it, it ain't even difficult in this situation when you know you feel like God's telling you to go talk to the guy at the Quick Trip drink station about Jesus. That's hard. You don't know him. There's no opening. There's no uh, you know uh, connection. It's just cold calling. But when you have somebody's life, you know, you've shared life with them and connected with them and you see them struggling, you know, there's things that I could say to him that his own mom probably can't say. And um, to, to, to waste, I hate to say it this way, but to waste time sitting in a funeral uh, versus sitting at a table getting caught up and getting to know the, the mind and the life and the heart of another kid headed down the wrong path, I think the choice was obvious. So we headed, of all places, to a bar. <laughs> um, it, 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 I've learned that bars aren't... I don't know what I thought they were when I was a kid. I guess imagine that they were like they are on TV, that there was just a bar, and you sat at the bar and you drank, and girls... Uh, walked around with uh, holding beers in their hands and getting their butt pinched and that kind of stuff. Uh, I've since found out that you can go to a bar and sit and order food <laughs> and have a soda. So uh, anyway, it turned out this the, the kid, uh, what did I call him? Brad? Yeah, Brad had worked there. And so he knew the folks, and that's why we went there. And he he's not drinking age or anything. Not that that stopped him, but I told him, Said if you're drink, I said I'll get your lunch. But if you're drinking, you got to pay for that yourself. And he's like, oh, I'm not even 21 yet. So, like, okay, all right, because I know you drink. <laughs> so we sat there and we talked, and um, I knew from his Facebook profile and the pictures that he posted that weed smoking um, is is a huge, huge part of his life. Like. You know how gay folks will say, I'm a gay person. I am a person. This is my identity. It's not just something I do on the side. It is my identity. This kid would say that he smokes weed. That is his, that's who he is, what he is. I mean, almost every post, every time he goes live, every um, image he posts is about him getting high. And so... um you know, as we're talking and catching up on his sisters and his, all their all their children and, and stuff like that, he mentions he used to work there. And I said, "What? What? Uh, what? Why don't you work here anymore?" And he says, "I got fired." I'm like, "What for?" He says, "Smoking weed." They caught me smoking. <laughs> so, uh, I'm like, "Really?" And that opened the door to talk to him about it. And basically, I just asked, you know, what's the deal? I I have so many questions. I said, first of all, they say it's not addictive, you know, that you can quit anytime. Is it addictive? He said, yes, yes, it is. He says, not in a way where if you quit, you'd go through withdrawals and stuff like that. He says, just the release, the high, um, you know, the way it mellows you out, the way it helps you relax and forget about your problems and, and blah, blah, blah. He says, that's addictive. I said, okay, that's, that's good to know. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Because I've never, I've never done drugs. I've been around people that have, and had members of my family that have, but um, yeah, never, never been around it. So 
I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm asking him and he says, yeah, such and such. I'm, I'm going to be going before the judge soon. Why? Well, they caught me going into a building. I was stealing copper to buy weed. Oh, okay. So you got fired for weed. I'm thinking, and you got, uh, you're going to jail possibly for weed. Um, and then judging by your Facebook profile, if I was going to hire you and I looked up your Facebook profile, I wouldn't hire you. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at him and he, he, he was a bright kid. He was bad. Oh, he was bad. But I loved bad ones. He was funny. He was clever. And, um, like I said, I loved him and his family, his sisters, his mom, um, but now he's all muted. You know, his eyes are hazy. Life's been tough. You know, he's got a few tattoos. Looks like he's been punched in the eyes a few times. And life's been hard on him. I got no doubt. But his life's going nowhere. He still lives with his mom. Has no job. And I, at that moment... Realize that I hate weed. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. It is harmful. It does mess people up. It does keep people down. It is addictive, apparently. It is illegal. It is a gateway drug. And people can argue all they want. That's fine. You know, do what you do. Think what you want to think. This is my opinion. And it's based on my experience and my experience being hurt in my heart for people that are using it. Um, so it was after that, like I said, that I went to my, my other friend who used to smoke and drink and do all this stuff. And when he told me about the demotivation part, that hit me harder than anything else. And I think you could see why, because here I'm looking at a young man that could do anything. He could stop today and turn his life around and start making good choices. And yes, it would be difficult, but it would be simple. You know what I'm saying? There's just a certain number of things that is stopping him from moving on with his life. And they seem to revolve all around one thing, weed. If he wasn't smoking weed, he would be motivated. If he wasn't smoking weed, he wouldn't be in trouble with the law. If he wasn't smoking weed, he wouldn't have got, you know, fired from that job. And he wouldn't be hanging out with people that do smoke weed. So the demotivation insight helped me go back to that discussion and say, wow, absolutely a demotivator. Fast forward back to the, to the guy I just spoke to today of all things. And <clears throat> he's that he's that uh, twenty-something kid that I was talking about. He wanted me to help him today to pick up some metal and put it in my truck and take it down to the scrapyard and make some money off of it. He didn't have a truck, so he you know asked me, and I I wasn't excited about it because <laughs> I've been to the scrapyard. I got no problem with the scrapyard. It just I knew he wasn't going to get nothing for that washing machine he wanted to load in the back. And sure enough, you know, we go up on the scale, we go, you know, we get weighed. I don't know if you know how it works, but they, you put the metal in your truck, you drive your truck up on the scale, they weigh you, you and the metal, 
You go and drop off the stuff, come back, get weighed again. They subtract the new total and they find out how much your stuff weighed. Uh, long story short, when we went through, got everything checked out, he made about $11.15. And I was just like, oh man, dude, I would have given you 20 bucks if you'd asked just so I didn't have to do this. <laughs> Uh, I probably spent five bucks in gas, you know, just driving around and do it anyway. And then risking picking up a nail in one of these alleyways here in St. Louis. But as we were driving back, I started asking him because he was telling me about, you know, trouble. He mentioned something about being on uh, probation and, and, uh, or, oh, he was checking online. He says, checking online to see if he'd had some charges dropped for a misdemeanor because he'd done a class and they were supposed to take it down. And I said, what'd you do? What'd you do, man? Tell me. Tell me what you did. He said, oh, nothing. I'm like, no, 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 you misdemeanor. What'd you do? What'd you do? Because <laughs> I like to know what people do. So I've never, you know, I've never been in that situation where I've been, uh, you know, done a crime, I guess, or whatever like that. So I'm asking him, you know, I want to know what's it, what's up. And he says, I, I, it was for resisting. And um, I said, resist and arrest, because I'm not cool enough to know the slang, you know, the short word for it. And he says, yeah. I said, what happened? Tell me. Tell me what happened. He said, well, I was hanging out with a friend. And the friend was had some warrants, some felony warrants. And the cops stopped him. And, and I got nervous, and I ran. And then I stopped, because I'm like, why am I running? But by then, the police... Had, had knocked me down and put a knee in my back and said, I got you, MFR. Um, and uh, except he didn't abbreviate it for me. And uh, he says, That's that's what they got me on resisting. I'm like, Dang, dude. He says, Yeah, and I didn't even do anything. I'm like, Well, let me tell you a little story, buddy, because you shouldn't be hanging out with people who have warrants. He says, Yeah, but you know, just because. Somebody has a warrant um, doesn't mean that I should be, you know, messed with or whatever and that I should be suspected. I said, dude, <laughs> I said, let me tell you a little story. It's a story about a farmer and he had some uh, corn and the crows were coming and eating his corn. So what he did is he put a bunch of sticks uh, a little higher than the corn all over the field and then threw a net over that. The sticks held up, you know. Held up the net. Next day, he comes out, crows just caught in the net, tons of them. And he starts bundling up the net, wrapping them up in it. Um, I don't know what he's going to do with them. I'm assuming he's going to let them go and be free or burn them. I don't know what you do with crows. Probably chunk them in the river. Uh, that's not important. That's that's a side. That's a whole different, uh, you know, Hans Christian Anderson part two or Brothers Grimm part two. Part one is that while he was bundling it up, there was this crane in in the uh, crows. And, and for the uh, for the kids in the audience, <laughs> uh, we're talking about the bird. There's a crane, a white crane, long neck, long legs. He's stuck in there with the crows. And he says, hey, sir, sir, I am not a crow. I was not here to eat your corn. I don't eat corn at all. And the farmer said, well, too bad. You were here with the crows. And he did away with all of them. And, and obviously, the uh, moral of the story is you're, you're going to get in trouble if you hang out with crows. <laughs> so I told him. 
Like, you don't need to be hanging out with people with warrants that are doing bad things that are on the lam from the popo. So, uh, then I asked him about, oh, oh, he says, um, well, anyway, I asked him about weed. I just needed to know where he was coming from. Trying to feel him out. Trying to figure out, because he's open to the things of God. Claims to be, you know, a Christian as he understands it. Um, which I'm not going to argue that because every, all of us have sin. His just happens to be illegal. Uh, so I asked him, I'm like, what, how do you get weed? What's the deal? And I think for a second he thought I was asking, um, <laughs> for practical purposes instead of educational ones. And, uh, I said, no, I mean, like, do you have to go find it? Or what? he's like, I got a friend, got a friend. Okay, cool. Does do you have to go to him or does he drop it off? And he said, "Yeah, he delivers." I'm like, "Wow, that's impressive." <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. Now I know. Uh, apparently, they deliver. So, um, and then I got to hear his um, his uh, oh, what is it? His rational rationalizations for why he uses it because he says it's not a real drug. It's not something you'd sell your family and your house and, and go into, you know, debt and all this kind of stuff over. He says, I got problems. I got mental issues that it helps me with. Um, basically he's saying, you know, I know it's wrong for everybody else, but it's not wrong for me. He even said some people shouldn't be on it. Some people can't handle it, but I can. Um, and that's what you say. That's what you say when you smoke cigarettes. It's what you do when you have a vice um, that you know is wrong is you rationalize it until it sounds okay. Um, and so that's where he's at right now. But I, I shared my thoughts um, that I had gotten from my good friend that uh, about demotivation. You know, this is a, another kid, 25 though, older than, than Brad was. And he's got no job. He doesn't have an ID. He doesn't even have a social security card, so he can't get an ID, so he can't get half the jobs he wants. And he's in a rough place, and he's demotivated as all get out. And again, I know that every man struggles, you know, between, I want to say 18 and 25. A lot of guys flounder a little bit. And let's say he got a, you know, college, or I think even those guys struggle a little bit. But men don't truly grow up until they hit 25, in my opinion. And, and that's where he is. So on a good day, he's going to struggle uh, and be a little demotivated. But you add that to it, that weed to it, that factor and that demotivation. Heck, you know, I don't care if it's addictive or not. I don't care um, if it's illegal or not. Where I stop and, and stand up and say, this is the line, uh, th this is the reason I'm so anti-weed, it's because of that demotivation thing. Uh, and it and it's it's heavy on my mind today. I know his main problem is not weed. His problem is he has not allowed Jesus Christ to uh, become the main influencer and owner of his life. Christianity, it's not a prayer. It's not a church attendance. It is a life lived to honor and respect the will of God allowing him and his love to transform you into the image of Christ. Um, Christianity 
is literally following Jesus, becoming like the example uh, that he showed, being a servant, uh, being someone that builds the kingdom and is fulfilling his part or her part of the Great Commission. Um, as, a, as an after effect of that, obviously, we, we find that God trims away uh, the unfruitful parts of our lives as we, uh, you know, we become tried by fire, we become more holy than we used to be um, as we follow the ways of Christ and we give him the number one place in our life. Um, but that's not happening here in, in his situation. I think all of us would say it's not happening in some areas of our life, uh, you know, at all times. There's always something that we hold in reserve, even if we give it up six days a week, we're going we're gonna to reel that back in once in a while uh, on day seven. But so I'm not here to judge. I realize his main problem is not weed. It is that he has not committed his life as a whole and his will as a whole to Jesus. He's been educated about Jesus. He knows just enough to be drawn to the concept and the idea and to be open to it. But he's never, I don't think he's ever seen an example of it at work. Um, and I, I hope in some small way that my life and my influence can, can help to change that. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of why I do what I do and be who I be. Um, to, I'm, I'm definitely not an example in every direction. I'm a fat guy. First of all, nobody needs to follow my example there. Um, I'm a little bit lazy sometimes and nobody needs to follow that example, but I'm a great dad i'm a good husband um and and i lead a moral life uh obviously um i'm perfect in every way i said that because everybody says i'm not perfect i'm i'm so far that i don't even want to use the word perfect i'm not good how about that we'll still drop it down to good the scale from bad to good instead of bad to perfect i'm 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 not good uh, definitely not great. Uh, fail constantly, broken, you know, messed up. But I think in that, in being broken, messed up, and and yet functional, and and living to try to better other people's lives through what I do. Um, hopefully, that's an example. Hopefully, that's something worth following. You know. Um, I just see a lot of myself in him, minus the drugs. <laughs> Never did that, thankfully. Um, and I hope, I hope to see him change up. So obviously, I'm. I said all that to say I'm not going to hound him about his drugs. I I literally just wanted to find out where his mind was and and what his thoughts was because you know, like I said, claims to be a Christian, which is great. Um, but has absolutely no convictions or issues with this problem. And again, I, I say, I don't even, I don't even object to it from a moral standpoint. Um, that's not my first objection is morality. I, that, it probably should be, but my first objection to weed is not the moral stance you should not do that. 
Um, cause I don't have the, I, I just don't feel like I've got the right to go there when I'm a big fat guy who eats too much, doesn't exercise, you know, what makes me in a place to be able to go from that angle. My big thing is it's holding you down. It is holding you back. It is a demotivator and it's going to stop you. I have, I have one more quick little, little bit to share. I have a, another, uh, close friend, um, lives far away, see him a couple times a year and um, connected with our family. Smart as crap. Just the smartest person in the world has gotten his degree, should be out there doing bioscience or something. But he's still got the same four or five friends from high school, burnout kids. Um, They get together, play D&D and smoke weed. And ever since I... uh, talked with my friend about the demotivation concept i see it once again he is not doing anything he he still lives in the family's home even though the family's moved on you know he doesn't he, he he's just there he hasn't uh he still delivers pizzas um like he did when he was in high school um there's no reason for it until i realized that demotivation factor i realized that above all is what I object to. Um, I think it does more damage than anything else. I really do. Even more than the damage it does to your soul uh, because of all the after effects. There's a lot of things, a lot of sins, and all of them are equal in God's sight. As I said, I, I, I don't know if that's what it means. I think it means the punishment for all sins is the same. Um, but the effects of every sin is definitely not the same. And, um, just like I can be a minister and be fat, this kid can be a Christian and smoke weed. You know, I I don't think you have to, um, I don't think you have to quit weed before you get saved. That's what I'm saying. So if this kid is, is searching out Christ and God hasn't gotten around to convicted him yet about that, that's between him and the Holy Spirit. But. And that's not even what I'm here to talk about. I I do believe this kid is going to continue to be attracted to what he sees in my life because I again I see a lot of myself in him, the way I was, and uh, I I believe he will be positively influenced by the lives that he seems to be associating himself with now. Comes and works with David and I um, as we're rebuilding this theater that we're working on to turn it into a community center. So just like uh, bad company can pull you down, I, I, I think good company can build you up. Um, but what I really want to just say one more time is uh, weed is bad. I'm not a fan. Don't think it should be legalized. And even if it is, I don't think anybody should ever smoke it. And I, uh, you know, I don't know anything about cancer and smoking weed for cancer. Blah, blah, blah. That's that's not even what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about people with potential and they're throwing their lives away on a drug that everybody says is okay and it's cool and it's hip and the hipsters smoke and, you know, blah, 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 and it's okay. Um, but it's not. It's not good. It breaks my heart. So that's where I'm going to lay it down right now. Thank you so much for listening. I'm glad to be back here on the anniversary <laughs> of the last episode randomly 
Um, if you have any feedback, thoughts, or whatever, you can leave them in the comments on uh, jameskennison.com, or better yet, head over on your Facebook to the NLCast community, or NLCast Network community. It's a great group. Sign up, or not sign up, just ask to be added, and we'll add you. And uh, you can just go nuts on there. It's a great community, a lot of great people. Even after all these uh, years of no podcasting, um, and in this show's case, the last year of not podcasting, it uh, they're still there. And anytime I post anything or someone else posts something, it, it just lights up with a bunch of comments and uh, stuff like that. So I encourage you to go over there and, uh, and check that out. Um, please like and subscribe and <laughs> hit that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not a YouTube channel. But uh, thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully we'll do another one of these soon. And uh, let's see. The GOK moment of the day. The takeaway is don't let anything stand between you and the person God wants you to be. What is your weed? What is the thing that's demotivating you and holding you back? If you were to look at yourself in your mind's eye and where you are and where you believe God wants you to be or the kind of person that he wants you to be, what is holding you back? What is stopping you? Because sometimes we get caught up in things that aren't really the things that are holding us back. Like, I don't know, I'm fat, but that's not holding me back. Now I sound like, dude, what is weed? It's 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 not okay for everyone to be fat. Some people can't be fat. They shouldn't be fat, but it's okay for me. But in my life and where I'm going, yeah, it'd be great. But is it holding me back? Is it keeping me from becoming the person I should be? Is it a part of the person I should be? No, it is not. But is it holding me back from developing? Not at this point, no. So I'm not, I I am trying to eat more protein. I am doing things. So maybe God is working on that. Uh, but you get my point. What is it in your life that you need help with? Pray. Pray about it. Start there. Ask. The Bible says we, we have not because we ask not. We don't ask, so we don't get. God apparently limits himself by how his people pray. So ask. And then keep on asking. Bug him. Annoy him to the point that, like the unjust judge, he gives you what you desire. You know, in America, we have this idea that we have to lift ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that we need to pray for strength. The Bible says, in my weakness, he is made strong. My weakness, the things that hold me back, the things that are problematic in my life, those hold me back. Those make me weak. In those things, he can be strong on my behalf. I'm the clay. He's the potter. He changes me. He molds me. He makes me uh, go through the fire and burn off the crap that's on my life. Um, so ask him to do these things. It's not easy and it's not fun. God will rip you up and put you back together from spare parts. But at the end of it, through the pain and the struggle and the issues, you are going to be a better person. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.